1: Had to be evacuated for a bomb threat. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, take it out, take it out. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah.
1: suck it, nice. A <laughs> couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G.
0: Who the fuck is Kenny
1: G? The fucking clarinet player. Oh, suck it, nice. <laughs> what did he do wrong? He's being Charles Manson all weird. In the middle of it, he cuts her off and goes, oh, fuck yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh,
0: take it out, take it Dude,
1: out. Dude, now I see why people followed Charles Manson. He was very straightforward and yeah, yeah. had the right ideas. It's time for the You Watch, I Listen podcast. And always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Um, Welcome to episode 102 of You Watch, I Listen. Uh, I Taylor brought it up this morning on Twitter. I think the last time we did an actual in-studio episode was uh, the uh, the taser and the, uh, the ass chocolate, or chocolate ass, I guess. <laughs> is, that, is this ass? <laughs> is that ass? Yeah. Um, so it is, uh, I think it's May 15th now. Um, we've been doing this for a while. I think it's going to be hard to get back to normal whenever we do that whenever that happens um but alas here we are um this is episode 102 of you watch I listen we'll start out like we normally do Josh how are you
2: I am good uh I broke all my stuff this week so I had to replace it with new stuff
1: Now, did uh, you intentionally break your stuff because you wanted new stuff
2: No dude I was pissed so I I I I used the PlayStation Gold headset uh and right. I always liked it Counts. you know it's a pretty decent headset so uh, I've had it since the PlayStation 4 came out, so it's a solid four or five, ye- five years now. So going to put it on my head, and I pull it apart to get it over my big fucking dome. And one of the earpieces snapped off when I did that. And like it's nothing different. That's just the same. That's just the way that I put it on every day. So I went ahead and I ordered the PlayStation Platinum headset, uh, which is a 7.1
1: surround
2: sound for favors.
1: You've upgraded your your count hood. I have. (laughs) Well, don't turn this into an unboxing show. I hate people that do unboxings on YouTube. Well, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm not
2: trying to, but I, uh, I guess I am.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you are. uh taylor how was your week everything's fine just been working starting to pick back up as uh people are starting to feel more comfortable going back out so normal
1: yep that's good um everything here is pretty much the same i did have an interesting experience earlier um i was playing call of duty and my playstation was acting weird like it kept like uh saying that the game disconnected or whatever and it booted me out so i'm like let me go check this out and i lift up my playstation and under it is like a shit ton of ants and ants, ant eggs. So I, am like, oh, this is interesting. And I look it up, and apparently this is a very common thing with the PlayStation, the Xbox, is that ants like burrowing underneath them and making little colonies out of them. Um, so that was uh, a okay. really I know like, there's people on YouTube that like open up their PlayStations and they're just fi- and Xboxes are just filled with ants. Apparently it's most common with Samsung products. Um, I don't know why that's the case, but it was pretty gnarly. Um, that made for a very interesting um, afternoon. Uh, aside from that, uh, life sucks. <laughs> This place sucks. Yep. Everything
0: sucks. Life sucks. Life sucks. I'm actually not. Now you got me thinking about it. I'm actually YouTubing ants. It's literally the top one is ants in my box. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an X of mine. <laughs> <laughs> He's opening up the Xbox. Yo, that is stupid, dude.
1: Yeah, dude. It's pair. Apparently- a very common thing. Like they, luckily they were just underneath mine and it was probably just because of the warmth and there was like a little bit of a a gap. So I just kind of elevated my PlayStation. So I don't think it will be a problem in the future, but where we are, we get, um, we get sugar ants, which they pop up after it rains and we're a high water table anyway. So that must be just where they were hanging out
0: yeah i had issues at my old spot with ants all the time they they were like uh i I don't want to say liquid ants because that's not what i mean but like they were attracted to like water it could be the same thing i really don't know yeah
1: well what water ants do or sugar ants is that after it rains or when it's raining they come inside to get away from it if there's a lot of water on the ground so they go to places that are warm uh dry so hence why they would end up in here um it's a lot. A lot of fun. So I got this really good ant spray. That's like a barrier spray. So it keeps them out. You just got to put that up every so often. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right, why don't we, uh, before we get into our reviews from last week, uh, we got to give a shout out to our friends over at primal urge foods guys, you're stuck. You're quarantined. You've had it with this shit. You need something to get you through. I'm going to tell you what's helped me get through all this coronavirus nonsense. And that is my primal urge. And it's not my primal urge to kill Taylor. It's my, it's my primal urge beef sticks, primal urge foods. Pr- primal urge sent both Taylor and me subscriptions for the next couple months because they're fans of the show. And we've been eating beef sticks at home. We've been eating the beef sticks at work. Taylor's been giving them to his coworker, to his father. Um, we've all fallen in love with it. Delicious, the absolute best.
0: Now, Taylor, if one of our listeners wanted to
1: get primal urge beef sticks, where should they be going?
0: So you go to www.primalurgefoods.com, use promo code YWIL for twenty percent off your twenty uh, percent off your subscription. I realized last week I said YWL. What the hell is that? Yeah, mean?
1: I know. I was like YWL, and you almost just said prescription as if it's medication. But guys, this is just as good as like an anti-anxiety medication because every time I'm I'm feeling a little itching and I'm jonesing, I get I break open one of these primal urge beef sticks, venison, alligator, just regular beef. It's fantastic. You really can't go. Wrong. So you go to www.primalurgefoods.com, use promo code YWIL as in the name of the show. You watch, I listen, and you get 20% off your subscription. Meat sticks, guys. And when this is all over, you can send me a DM and I'll send you my meat stick.
0: He'll do it too. Josh, yes. what are you doing? Love it. <laughs> Yeah. No, I I just see him pick up the PlayStation controller and I'm like, uh uh-oh, watch. He's going to start playing Death Stranding or something?
1: No, he'd start playing Call of Duty while we're
0: doing this. That's fine. I mean, before we... Before we incorporated the video, I was playing Animal Crossing while we were doing this. Did you Have you given up on Animal Crossing? I haven't heard you talk uh, about it recently. Only because when I moved, I, I didn't set up my, my Switch immediately. My PlayStation and my Xbox took precedent over that. And then uh, I just set it up maybe a week ago. I've been playing every day ever since. So, yeah, uh, n- none of my guys left the island, which I was happy about. So... Nah, it's, dude, uh, it's so great. It's still, I don't
1: know what that means, but I'm glad they didn't leave you like everyone else in your life has. Um, yeah. All right, uh, Taylor, do you want to go first?
0: Uh, sure. Um, so you gave me it comes at night starring yeah. Joel Edgerton and the chick from the lodge. Yeah. Um, so about a maybe about an hour before we hopped on this thing, I uh, went on Letterbox because I've been uh you know I've been really slacking on that, and I gave it my rating. So my rating for the movie is one star. Fuck this movie, yo! The, and, and listen, and this is the only reason why I say fuck this movie. Um, I didn't like how it made me feel. I felt bad. Now, <laughs> no, no, I'm, be, no, I'm being, I'm being, real. I'm being serious, like as as genuine as I can be. Good things, very good things about it. Shot wonderfully. The story is pretty good. All uh, you know, um. The one main takeaway I, I don't like, but I understand why they did it, was uh, halfway through the movie, they change aspect ratio from full screen to, uh, like, uh, whatever the yeah.
1: hell. It goes from being um, from just a, an overall narrative to being in the, the view of the sun. It becomes the sun's narrative. Right. That's when he starts having the dreams that um, kind of reflect reality, so. Oh,
0: are they dreams? Are, is he just fucking, um, you know, uh, nah, what the fuck, sleepwalking? You know, it, it, it's a... That's the other thing with this movie. There's a lot of stuff left up to interpretation, the ending specifically. Um, The way in which it ended, I didn't really like. Um, It's not that I didn't like it. I didn't like how it made me feel. Uh, Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's a
1: brutal ending. The only ending I could say is more brutal because actually I rewatched it the other day um, with the landlord and earlier in the day I was flipping through the channels and I caught the last 10 minutes of The Mist, which may have the single greatest ending in horror film, maybe movie history. And yeah, I, uh, um, I could say that this is a very similar type ending.
0: Yeah, I mean, just I just didn't like how I felt. Like, it's the same thing when I watched Doctor Sleep. I felt like shit. I didn't like it. I didn't like how I was watching it, and I felt very uncomfortable. And I realized that some movies are like that, and I like it. I understand I'm being a little contradictory, but... Doing a lot of research on this movie and seeing what people had to say about it, um, it's very hit or miss. You either love it or you hate it. Yeah. Um, there really is no in-between, and I totally understand why, because there are certain things happening throughout the movie with certain themes that you either really, really relate to or it's just really disturbing to watch. So like I said, there's a variety of different things happening throughout the movie. Like I said, my main two things that I didn't like, even though I know it's an artistic decision, sure. is changing of the aspect ratio – halfway through the movie, and the first 20 to 30 minutes, you really don't know what the fuck is happening, and it's an hour and 30 minutes, before yeah. I really just decipher what was happening, at least for me. Well, I I would
1: say early on, I mean, they show you the father-in-law died from some type of sickness and these people are quarantined pretty much. Um, They never really explain what exactly it is, but it ends up being that the sickness isn't really the villain. It's the classic trope that George Romero made famous going back to Night of the Living Dead that while the monsters on the outside are dangerous, the most dangerous thing ultimately in the movie is the actual people that are trying to survive and need to be relying on each other. And ultimately – it's their own paranoia that gets to them. And that's how I interpret the, the n- title of the movie. It comes at night um, when the kid was having the nightmares and these people are, you know, going through these different scenarios and kind of blaming each other and pointing fingers at each other. The paranoia is coming at night. The, the fear of what's happening. And ultimately they ended up being their own worst enemies. You don't really know why things are happening the way they are, but everyone finds something to blame in those situations. And it's actually a little reflective of what's going on in the world right now.
0: Well, the other thing, too, is that if you if you really watch the movie and you recognize that a lot of the big things that happen, like the big like changing, like the big uh, changing events of the movie happen at night. Yeah. So that's that's the majority of what's really happening there. Um, I just really this is one I won't watch again. It's just not for me. And I understand that um, I appreciate how it's filmed. I think Joel Edgerton was amazing in this movie, truthfully. But it's just yeah. the thing. This I was great watch again. Well, I'll tell you, when I first saw it. Um, they marketed
1: it as, like, a very intense, like... Scary movie, and I don't think it's like that really. I think it's more of like you said, it's a one that's more of a feeling. It's atmospheric. It makes you uncomfortable. It makes you uneasy because you don't really know where it's going. And the first time I saw, I didn't really care for it. But the more I've seen it, the more it's grown on me. I think I have it on Letterbox at a four or four and a half because I've picked up on more and more things throughout, and I appreciate that it does leave so much to ambiguity and that you don't really know why these things are happening. And I like that in a lot of movies. I understand why it can be a big critique as well, but I. Think I think it's also – I would have a much different view of it if it was anything – if it was over an hour and a half, I think it could have failed miserably in what it was trying to do. It was the perfect length for what the movie wanted to be.
0: Sure. And the other thing I, I do appreciate because it is a 24, they they really take pride in saying this is what we're going to do. I don't give a fuck whether you like it or not. And this is this is primarily – this is a perfect uh, example of that. Because it's more or less like, listen, this is the story I want to tell. This is the way I want to tell it. Whether you like it or not, I really don't give a shit. And I, I have a lot of appreciation and admiration for that.
1: Yeah, and this is the the same director. He's an A24 favorite. He also did uh, Waves, which you were a big fan of. He also did a really good one that went under the radar called uh, Krishna. Um, but he wrote It Comes at Night. Um, it was actually a uh, way he dealt with uh, losing his father. Um, and his father had a tumultuous relationship um, with alcoholism, so he never really knew what version of his dad was getting. And you can kind of see that reflected in the script when you look at it. But as you said, that ending is fucking brutal
0: ending is ridiculous Um, that scream is up there with Tony Collette in Hereditary because it's very real again two very real scenarios where you're like oh what?" like when okay so not to spoil anything but I'm going to do it anyway Um, when they're uh, you know when there's like a final face off between both families Joel Edgerton's character shoots the other you know, the other dad and then as the mother and son start running away he just points and he fires and all you hear is the woman uh, the mother starts screaming i throw my hands up in the air and i got my hands like this and I'm like he really just shot the kid like a a kid, and then and then the mother is saying, "Kill
1: me, kill me!" and there's no hesitation. He kills her, and then ultimately Joel Edgerton and his wife, their kid, succumbs to the illness as well. Whatever the the virus is, and then they're just left there, sitting there. And it's one of these things where it's like, and they're obviously sick now too. You can just see it in their face. That's how I took it. Um, you know, they tried to do everything right, and everything went wrong because they couldn't trust anyone. They couldn't trust themselves. Sure. But um, I, I understand your critiques of it. I I understand why it's divisive um i like movies like that i like where ones that i have to think and i like where especially if i see it once and i don't get it and then i watch it again and i like it more one of the big movies like that for me was um drive with ryan gosling i didn't really like it the first time i liked it way more upon watching it again yeah um there's just certain movies that click like that so all right taylor we're gonna go on to um your album uh infant annihilator uh how do you say this in app title again I believe it's pronounced the Grant, uh, the Elysian Grand Evil Galerite. Okay. I, so this is a black metal band, and um, before you jumped on the call, Josh and I were chatting a little bit. And Josh, what did you say about it? It
2: fucking sucks, dude.
1: And you said you listened to two songs and turned it off. You want to, um, you want to know exactly how far I got into it? Okay. I'm
2: gonna For be sure. county. Hey Siri, resume the music. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's not do
0: even Siri doesn't want to listen to it I'm so uh, yeah. it didn't work you were trying to be a dick and I, it didn't work I,
1: I discovered something listening to this and I listened to it a few times through um, and the biggest thing I discovered is that I fucking hate black metal uh, <laughs> <laughs> now there, there's a couple things I want to say about this um, so every song except one got a uh, or every song except two got a one um, so all the songs are ones except two of them one of them is a two Soil is stillborn. Great baseline on it. It's fine. The other one got a zero. Uh, Behold the kingdom of the wretched. It's a 17. I wrote 17 minutes. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, so, so this is a problem, I think, with a lot of black metal. And I'm actually surprised if you like it, Taylor, because I've heard you say things with music with guys like Marilyn Manson that you don't like the whole goth thing. And I think these guys are a million times more goth than Marilyn Manson. And while I look at Marilyn Manson like a, a, uh, a show, he's like a, a Rob Zombie, Alice Cooper kind of thing. These guys are a million times more goth. Their songs are about um, forcing miscarriages, abortions, um, uh, killing <laughs> children. This is way more dark and gothic than anything Marilyn Manson's ever done. Um, now, musically, they're fine. There's some shit they do that I think is fucking annoying. Why does the drummer not only need two bass drums, but a double bass pedal on both drums?
2: Yeah, dude, that's what I'm saying. I'm listening to some of the songs and it's like... It's... <laughs> like all right i don't need it dude i don't
1: fucking need it we we get it you're really fast on it joey jordison could do the same thing and just with a double bass drum pedal it's fine you listen there's no denying that musically these kind of guys are gifted it does take a certain amount of metal to be able to do these kind of things i don't like the back and forth like quick uh finger tapping with each guitar i think when you do it once or twice it's cool when it's every song it's whatever and and again lyrically it's just this isn't my kind of thing because I get what you're trying to do but it almost comes off as super heavy handed it's it's like certain types of horror movies where they're only just about the kills and not about building up to the kill itself it gets very very lazy now I could understand these kind of guys live are probably sensational because it's such an energy driven thing the crowd is into it you know I don't really ever want to listen to Guar, but I saw Guar live and it was fucking and awesome. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it's one of those things I can relate it to. Um, uh, now the song soil is Stillborn" was my favorite because to me it was the most structured in a traditional rock sense. There had a, they had a breakdown. There was a progression. There was a bridge. There was a great baseline in it. That's the one that stood out to me, but just, um, I wrote down all the song titles. If you really want to go with this, uh, unholy grave birth, motherless miscarriage, Baptized, bastardized, sodomized. I like the idea of those things. Uh, okay. The one that gave is the 17 minute song I gave a zero, which is another thing about it. About seven and a half minutes through, you think the song's over, but listen, they have more for you because a whole other song starts and it's all in the same song. Yep. <laughs> so um, that's Behold the Kingdom of the Wretched, Soil the Stillborn, um, Pay pe- Dolphic uh, Ultimatum, Neutered in Utero, um, Pelt of Innocent Flesh, Blasphemian, and the final title is I think it's like Neapolitan Ice Cream. Uh, it's, it's, it's like Nea ne- uh, Talimpa t- uh, Polian Crucifiliation. I think is probably the closest thing I can get to saying that I just, it, this kind of stuff just doesn't do it for me. Like I like screaming, but when it's that gravelly stuff where you really, I had to actually look at the lyrics as they're singing them to understand any of it. It was like, Oh, I get it. Um, Oh, I, I guess I understand there's a, a niche for this, but this just is not me. Uh, based on one song being a two, I'm going to give this a one star review. Um, the one song was good. I liked it. They added to my playlist. I could listen to that one. The rest of these, um, I think there's a reason I never heard of these guys. Um, I, I, I just, I, I don't see how it's enjoyable to, and again, music is subjective. I don't know how, how it's enjoyable to sit there and listen to that when there's no substance to it.
0: It's a very. They have a very big cult following. That's what really. Oh, I'm what, sure that's black metal. They um. They've ne- Like I said last week, they've never played a live show because how they play can't be replicated live. Yeah. Um. You know, like oh, oh, that double bass. It can't. You that's can't quadruple but, bass. You can't keep it up for a full hour and a half show. It's just not possible. But uh, it's fine. I'm listen. You're not. You're not fucking insulting me because. It's I didn't just, think I would be. This is some shit that, like, I heard it through the grapevine because I watched a video of Post Malone listening to it. I'm like, what the fuck is Infinite Annihilator? And I go back and I listen, and I'm like, it's just for the fact that it's absolutely ridiculous, and I've heard nothing like this before in my life, is why I'm still intrigued by it. But I don't – this isn't like I listen to it every day. Like, it's too much even for me, dude.
1: Yeah, it's it, – there's nothing in there that I find – uh like, again, musically, if you if you're a guy that's a musician and you're trying to find ways to broaden your horizons to come up creativity, I understand why you'd listen to it, um, because it's different. You're not going to find anything on the radio that sounds like this um, for good reason. But you are finding another branch of music. There's got musicians listening to just about everything. So I get it from that perspective. But there's nothing here that really does it for me.
0: That's fair. All right.
1: So let's do our picks for the week. Um, Tim. Taylor, I, I owe you one. Um, I, I sent you a text. You guys a text the other day about the the best worst movies, uh, the ones that make you laugh. So you uh, you gave me um, a, a couple a while back when we did our flip. You gave me Battleship, which was yeah. very 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 painful, and I didn't have the same type of enjoyment from it as you. I'm sure if I watch it again, I might be able to laugh at it. But I went into it like, let me give this a shot, and it made me angry. Um, so I'm here to give you your receipt. Um, so I watched a movie the other night, and I told you about it, directed by the one and only Fred Durst. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. So this movie stars uh John Travolta, and it stars a, a friend of mine, uh Devin Sawa, uh, famous for Final Destination, Idle Hands, Little Giants. Um he was the quarterback in Little Giants. Uh yeah. I like Devin a lot. Devin's a really good dude. Um this movie's called The Fanatic. Uh so the <laughs> Dude, I you you have to just look at this as a comedy, and you'll laugh your ass off. John uh, John Travolta plays a guy that is uh, like a forty year old person with the. the- worst autism possible. Like this is an insult to the autistic community more than Simple Jack was to the down syndrome community. <laughs> so, yeah. he plays a guy that's like a a fanboy, like uh he goes he lives in Hollywood, he's obsessed with horror movies. He's kind of like me. Um uh I'm probably a worst case, but um he he is obsessed with this actor. Uh, I believe his name is um uh, Dunbar, something Dunbar. Um, Trevor Dunbar, I believe, that Devin plays, and um, he gets shunned for an autograph at a thing, and he starts, finds out where the celebrities live and starts going to the guy's house. I sent you a video. The first line of this movie with him is he walks into a a comic book place or a horror place and he says to the guy, I can't talk long, gotta take a poo. (laughs) Like, this is the dialogue. (laughs) This is the dialogue in the movie. (laughs) From a pure... Entertainment standpoint, if you go into it not expecting it – like Fred Durst was trying to make some philosophical – king of comedy, make-you-think kind of movie about the price of fame and fandom, and he totally fucked it up. If you look at it as a comedy, John Travolta deserves all the awards, because he was hilarious. It was so... so, uh,
2: I'm looking this up right now, and um, obviously it's a super-limited run. This movie only made $3,000 at the box
0: office. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. $3,153 from 52 theaters. An ultimate box office failure. And it has an approval rating. 16% Sixteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, dude. I <laughs> that's just, terrible. Dude. So <laughs> the way I,
1: I would describe this movie, it, it reminds me of The Room, or Mac and Me, or Troll Two, Acuity. like it's like one of these ones where you see that they were trying to make something serious and they didn't realize that they were making something hilarious. Now what's funny is and I'm not just kissing his ass because I know the guy, but Devin was really good in his role. The writing was just so bad. The directing was so bad. The role he was playing of the celebrity that was being harassed by a fan, he was really good. Um, But John Travolta, it's crazy. I was talking with the landlord about John Travolta. When you think about his career from, he was in Carrie and then his big, you know, come on the scene with Saturday Night Fever, which is a really, really good movie. And it's a really fucked up movie. And then he just started making bomb after bomb. He did get shorty really good, but his career Renaissance came with Pulp Fiction. So when he has the right writing, he he's really good. And, you know, he had two of the worst movies of 2019 and this one and Gotti, his uh, John Gotti expose that was equally disastrous, except it tried even harder to be really good. Um, so I think I just want you to get something that you don't really need to think about something really stupid, you could sit there, you could have a couple drinks, and laugh at how bad and how funny this movie is without even trying to be. And trust me, if you don't laugh at this, uh, there's gonna be something wrong with you, but I know you well enough that you're gonna laugh at how bad it is.
0: Fair enough. I was gonna say the other thing too, is that like the, the movie poster looks pretty sick though. The concept of it is
1: really good because he's a guy. It basically tries to be a horror movie with this, and horror movies often try to convey social type messages. If you look at Get Out and Us and movies like that, um, it, Fred Durst just is. You know, there's actually one of my favorite scenes in it is when Devin Sava is driving with his kid, and they're like talking about things. He goes, Well, to listen to music?" Here's the stuff I liked when I was young. Here's some Limp Biscuit. And he blasts it. And it's literally a 30-second scene of him driving, listening to Limp Biscuit. It's like, all right, Fred,
0: nice little plug there. Did it to himself fucking so the fanatic is the pick for this week. Cool. And then for my pick this week, it's so funny. We're literally just I like like eye for an eye these last two weeks. Really, really heavy, ridiculous shit one week. Really, really nice, different, fun loving stuff this week. I'm gonna give you Goldfinger's album Hang Ups from 1998 hell yeah. Um this is is the one with Superman on it. Um, I'm giving you Goldfinger in honor in honor, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that soon. Of them, really, of them saying that they're going to re-release Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two with pretty much the original soundtrack. Um, so yeah, hang ups. Nineteen ninety-eight. Um, they like I said this is the one with Superman on it. That's probably their most well-known song outside of Ninety Nine Red Balloon, One of the best cover songs of all time. Hell yeah. Um, this is really just a fun record. Uh, it's ska punk, so you can dance to this. You know, you can bop your head to it. You know, it's fronted by at now but at the time legendary John Feldman as a music producer. Um he's actually turned Goldfinger in a bit of a super group now, which is pretty cool. Um Mike Herrera from MXPX, Phil Sneed from Story of the Year, Cyrus Beluki, or Travis Barker on drums. Um but this is prime Goldfinger. This is the you know this is the late nineties. You got uh you know the prime Scott punk coming out of here. This is right around Mighty Mighty Boston's real big fish in their prime. Oh so yeah. was a really, really big thing back in the nineties. Um but this album is just fun from start to finish. Obviously you got superman um i want to i want to highlight two other songs one is called question and the other one is called i need to know just fun songs you could bop your head to um again not much to think about and digest here um it's just one of those records where it's just fun to listen to you roll a window down you fucking blast that shit oh the- yeah an hour.
1: Uh, I, I love every. I have heard a, a solid amount of Goldfinger. There's a good chance I've heard a lot of the songs on this album, anyway. But mm-hmm. I'm excited to listen to it start to finish because everything I've ever heard by Goldfinger, I'm a big fan of.
0: Hell yeah! And like I said, John Feldman, goddamn
1: legend, that guy. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Um, all right. Uh, cool. So there are picks for this week. Uh, is Vince calling in? Did we set that up next week? Okay, next week. Got it. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, what did we watch this week, Josh?
2: Um, I didn't watch anything this week. Uh right, I've you're watching. The, you
1: have you wait. You have to watch the fanatic this week because you bailed on the movie last week, motherfucker. You're watching the fanatic. What movie you did, did I
2: bail on last week? The Lodge. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah you,
0: were, you okay. I for, Josh. I forgot too. It's fine. Yeah, All you're right. watching. You're watching. I've the been.
2: Fanatic. I've <laughs> I've been replaying the entire Assassin's Creed fucking you every game put it down. from the beginning. You could
0: put it down to watch a fucking hour and a half piece of shit. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> which, which one have you been playing? Have you been playing the Ezio collection?
2: Uh, I just finished that the other day. I started Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered the other day
0: remastered is fun three was my least favorite until i played unity um and then i played odyssey fuck odyssey that level grind is so stupid you need to like level up 10 times before you can even fucking push the story forward i'm over it but the new assassin's creed where your goddamn viking looks great yeah it does look really good um taylor what have you been watching so i watched a bunch of shit this week and i'm really i'm really excited to talk about it sure Uh, One, I mentioned to you, I might have watched it two weeks ago and I forgot to mention it, but uh, I watched Train to Busan. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It is... I said to you, it's what World War Z should have been, yeah. and it's one of my – it's it's easily one of the best zombie films I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's that funny, It's funny you said that with World War Z because I
1: had the landlord watch World War Z a couple of weeks ago because she never saw it, and she's like, it's good. I get it. There's just not much to really care about. It had no heart. Like, Train to Busan had so much heart to it, so much going on. It, it, it's such a fun fucking movie.
0: Yeah, well, see, Train to Busan ruined – because I liked World War Z when it came out. I, I like I book. like World War Z, too. It's a fine movie. Oh, and, and, I then, a, and then I read the book, and then the book kind of ruined it because I, I understood what you didn't like about it initially. Then I watched Train to Busan, and now it's ruined forever. And, well, here's the thing. With
1: World War Z, if it was called anything but World War Z, if it was just called Brad Pitt Escapes – it's a good movie. It, it's, it's a really, it, it's a really good movie. But the only thing it has in common with the great Max Brooks novel World War Z is the title. Nothing else in common. Different zombies, different scenario. I think, I honestly think World War Z is next to impossible to adapt unless you're doing a Netflix series because the concept of it is different parts of the world. It's different, different events and how they overcame the zombie apocalypse. So th- what they did was fine. If it was named anything else, you could have had a great original zombie movie it didn't need to be called world war z but train to busan was just so well done there's another really good one it might be on my plex that's um a japanese zombie movie that's amazing as well called one cut for the dead if you want something similar a really cool original concept it's called one cut for the dead
0: all right i'll scope that out and then on top of that i watched i mentioned it to you earlier today but uh, i watched the beastie boys documentary called yes i heard it's amazing a lot of fun, very unorthodox, very spike Jones is, if you understand what I mean by that. Um, and like I said, and I, I wrote a um, a little review on it on Letterboxd. Okay. It's it's such a free flowing, fun run a uh, running history of the Beastie Boys that's narrated by Ad Rock and Mike D with a very nice paying tribute to, to MCA. Um, you know, it's interesting because you get an initial touch on like, you know, obviously they were the at the beginning of Def Jam with Rick Rubin and shit. Rick. Yeah. Rubin Technically, the fourth Beastie Boy, if you think about yeah, it, um, sure. diving into Russell Simmons and shit like that. So, um, it was beautifully done. I loved every second of it. And even if, and I said, even if if you're a fan of music, you'll like it. If you're a fan of the Beastie Boys, you'll be an even bigger fan of the Beastie. Yeah, Boys. I'm about it. Um, it's so funny you just mentioned Spike Jones, obviously,
1: because of the Beastie Boys thing. Because on my time hop, either yesterday or today, was one of my drunken like rants. Um, and it was about how I was drunk watching the Fat Boy Slim music video, Christopher Walken in it. That's Spike <laughs> Jones directed, which is weapon of choice. It's a
0: great music video. Great music yeah. video. Um, so have you been watching anything else or is that about it? That's about it. Well, I mean, as far as TV is concerned, um, I because I'm really into Brooklyn Nine Nine. I understand. You know, you have your gripes with Andy Samberg. I get that, but sure. B- very funny show. I I like it a lot. I finished about seven seasons. With the eighth coming out on Hulu next year, so that'll be fun. Um, but i this week. I'm well this weekend. I'm going to start. I'm not, I'm going to give my undivided attention on Saturday after my chores to season one of Secession, and it's going to get my undivided attention, because I've gone through the first two two episodes, and I like it. I want to so like undivided attention. It needs it because the right.
1: I mean, the whole thing with the secession secession is that the writing and the dialogue is so damn good. Um, so I'm excited to doing that. Um, I'm in the middle of uh, doing a watch through of Peaky Blinders uh, the whole way the first time. Peaky I Black like it a lot. Fun, I think it's, it's fun. I think it, I think it's really good. Uh, amazingly enough, and I love uh, Killian Murphy. I think he's great. I think he's the worst one on the show right now. I'm only into season two, but I think the problem that I have with the show like this is that there's no character arc it's just kind of like this is who he is he hasn't changed so far it's only two, two seasons in which is fine I love the way it's filmed it's it's quirky it's funny it's a little campy but I am enjoying it so far um I did watch uh, and Tom Hardy's also on Peaky Blinders I watched Capone this week um Capone's awesome it's awesome. The critics that are have, shitting on it are fucking did stupid. On, did you put it on Plex?
0: Yeah, I put it on Plex that morning, the second it was available. I'll oh, do probably watch that this week too. But like I, I said it in the group chat, a lot of people don't like it because they said it's over the top. I don't know. I well see. it's it's supposed to be because it's you can't do
1: the the era of Al Capone they're going with is the last year of his life when he had dementia from neurosyphilis he had neurosyphilis since he was 12 years old and he was completely deteriorating and it goes through his delusions and the things he's seeing there's multiple scenes where he shits himself it's so out of control it's so bonkers it's like a like a wacky, Horror gangster movie, almost. It's not horror, but there's a psychological element to it. Tom Hardy is so good, and he just commits to like, like a, an over-the-top Pacino kind of like, which is kind of how you had to play Capone at that point. But. It was, dude, it was really good. Like, it was fun. And Justin even texted me today. He's like, I saw some critics shitting on it, but then the critics that he trusts, specific people and people he knows that he trusts, all loved it, which is the bow I was coming from. I think critics, they, I think gangster movies in general, there's two genres that I think get unfairly criticized, um, is the gangster and the Western, because I think gangster movies have such a trope that have been, um, you know that Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese have said, this is how you have to do them, more or less. And then the Western has been done by, you know, Clint Eastwoods of the world's uh, um, uh, the guy that did uh, all the spaghetti Westerns once upon a time in the West, um, whose name is slipping me now, but, um, Sergio Leone. Yeah. Sergio Leone. Um, so then you look at like gangster, uh, a Western that I think is really good a modern Western and lawless got shit on by critics. And Lawless was a good time. That, that I don't get either. Lawless is a very good movie. Because it was too campy and it was almost too modern and self-aware. And I, I think that's one of the things that the charm of a movie like Lawless. So I think people went into this. It's a movie about Al Capone and they don't want to see their gangsters weak and helpless. They want to see him tough and ruthless and killing. This is about being in Al Capone's head when he was completely deteriorating and stuck in with his memories and his mindset Hardy was awesome at the bare minimum. And that's the same thing. The bad review said Tom Hardy's fucking awesome in it. But so, Tom
0: Hardy, Tom Hardy's great that, in everything. They also, they showed So they showed him an Alcatraz too and shit like in his cell or no, no, no. He was out of prison his last year of his life. He was at his home. Um, can you hit the
1: light for me? I'm sorry. I'm getting, it's getting dark in here. Um, <laughs> no, it's it, it talks about how he just got released from Alcatraz because they deemed that he was no longer a threat to society. Um, so it's about him being home. Uh, it's got the uh he, the woman that plays his wife is the the main girl from Freaks and Geeks back in the day. She was in Grandma's Boy. Um, she's currently on Dead to Me. That's on Netflix. That is apparently fantastic. With wasn't, wasn't
0: wasn't she Hawkeye's wife in Avengers? That Yes. It? Yep. Yep. Her. Ah, yeah. Ah. Uh,
1: she's in it. Plays his wife. Uh, she was uh, in what's Scooby Doo, dude. dude. She played- yes, she was. Thelma. Um, who else? The guy from Twin Peaks, Kyle McLaughlin, is in it as well. There's a bunch of people you'll recognize. Oh, Matt Dillon's in it. So there, there's some really good stuff. It's a really, really strange movie. I decided the other night I wanted to watch Anchorman for the first time in years because we were playing Call of Duty last week. Josh was like, I just killed that guy. And I said, "Yeah, Josh killed a guy. <laughs> <laughs> killed a guy with the trident. So right. I watched Anchorman. Right. Where did you get a grenade? I don't know. He says it even faster than that. It's funny. He goes, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, so I put on – I liked Anchorman too. It made me laugh. It was stupid. Anchorman
0: was very funny. Like when Steve – when Brick is talking at his own funeral or whatever, like – It it embraced being stupid, but the part that made me laugh
1: and realize it was ahead of the game was when he was at Champ's uh, Chicken Place. Chicken of the, chicken they they call bat. Chicken of the cave. You know what they call cat? You know what they call cat? Chicken of the rail yard. (laughs) Dude, it's 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 so ridiculous. I'm watching the uncensored, the uh, the
0: unrated version,
1: which is even funnier.
0: So the funny thing is, too, with Anchorman, I, my, my mother rent, rented Anchorman for me when I was like third, however old I was. Like, I was like the, on the younger side. That came out when Josh and I were like in 10th grade, I think. Yeah, I think I was in, so I'm three years younger, so I was in like 8th grade, 7th grade, whatever. Yeah. Well, I watched it for the first time on my own. I hated it. A lot of people did it first. A lot of people and, did. And I was like, and but then I, I go to school and everyone's like, quote <laughs> Word for word, I'm like, people like this piece of shit. And then I watched it with a group of friends for the first time and it changed the game. And yeah, it actually, dude, it's it the game. What? Hey, that's the thing, like, I think that's one of those things that's enjoyable
1: to watch it with people like, I've seen, I've watched, we were just talking about the other night, I was watching, I think you should leave, I've seen it so many no. times but it's, it's so enjoyable to watch it with someone that hasn't seen it, so like it, it, to see them laughing at it, and Anchorman I remember seeing that in the theater with Jared and my mom, and all of us, specifically Brick had us laughing the hardest on what some people would call mentally retarded <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's so funny I liked a lot of those, like Early Will Farrell comic. I liked, I loved Talladega Knights. Oh. I really liked Semi Pro. Semi Pro was funny. <laughs>
0: No, I'm just thinking of I think you should leave bits and the first one that comes to my mind is like when they play the whoopee cushion joke on him and he's like, so so you're telling me that that doesn't sound like my fault because people are watching That's a pretty good day for me. I, I like lost it. I always,
1: I just think about sometimes it was also the night that the skeletons came to life. <laughs> like there's just times I sit there and even just when they're doing the, the old man in the car dealership and me, me and the, that's a good one me and the landlord
0: sometimes will do that
1: oh now you have to marry your mother-in-law
0: dude. So you know the part when he has glenn from the walking dead in it and he and he didn't oh my god enough after bm and he makes the whole part his whole birthday party leave. <laughs> um here's some
1: good news for new york giants fans uh their first there, round pick from last is year there really well, no, it's good news for them. Their first round pick last year, DeAndre Baker, who came on really well at the end of the season, the last six weeks, um, has been arrested on four counts of armed robbery with a firearm and four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm, along with Quentin Dunbar of the Seahawks.
0: So... What? Yeah, good job, Giants. You always know how to pick them. Like, okay, so maybe it's just me, or I don't know. I'm not an NFL player. What the fuck do I know? But, like, when you're playing in the NFL, like, like that's your dream come true. Why? Like, what are you doing around towing a gun? Like, shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, what? Like, are they not paying you? Yeah, I— All right. So something
1: I want to talk about quick that you brought up, Taylor, when you gave me the Goldfinger record, uh, something that we're all excited for is the remastered versions of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater one or two, one and two, one or two. We don't know which Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you buy, you buy the game. It's a surprise. Um, So I'm super pumped, man. I would say I saw a thing today It was like the most influential games of your life. And I was like, all right, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater probably has to be there. Just for the simple reason, how good the soundtrack was. Yeah, like it's maybe it's not one of my five most influential. Let's do that next week. Let's talk our five most influential. It's not your favorite games, but the games that made the biggest impact on who you are as a gamer now. Fair so enough. put that list together for next week. Like- um, I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down so I don't forget um, five most influential games. But I um so let's not spoil too much now. But I think we're all super. Super pumped about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater being remastered.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing too. You said the biggest thing, like I said, Superman was the big one I got. Primus was a big one. Um, it wasn't from one or two, I believe, but I forget which one it was. When the first time I heard Johnny Cash's "The Ring of Fire" was from that. Was, from was, the- was that on? Was that on Pro, um, Tony Hawk's Underground? I think it might have I think, been the first or the second one. I can't remember. Uh, dude,
1: those were those were fun games too with a little story mode in there.
0: Yo, Tony Hawk's Underground Two was my shit, dude. I loved Did that. You, were you a fan of Skate when it came skate, out? Skate was fun. I it was nice. I preferred playing Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. Yeah. Very underrated game. Very good game. So uh, we're super pumped
1: about that. Um, the UFC this past weekend, Taylor. UFC two forty nine.
0: Um, it, was it, fantastic. I'm my parlay. Every fight wrong. And our head-to-head that we
1: set, we matched up against. Uh, I went three and zero against you. Um, you took Verduum, Cowboy, and Stevens. I took uh, Alexi Olenek, Je- uh Anthony Pettis, and
0: Qatar. So R- you still haven't won a fight against me. Still, dude. I don't think I've won one. And <laughs> and even the one I didn't lose, I it's I still technically it, lost. Looking it was a draw. Yeah, it was a half a loss and half a win,
1: uh, but uh, the card was fantastic this weekend. Um, one of the, you know, if there was a crowd there, that would go down as one of the best UFCs of all time. Although there is an argument you can make that maybe the crowd not being there made the fighters a little more comfortable.
0: That's what it seemed like to me. It seemed like most times, like, specifically when Tony got popped second, third round, like, really bad, when he's, like, he's really losing the fight. And it's like, you know, the crowd would have hyped Gatesy up a little bit. And maybe he would have, you know, been a little more overzealous. So, sure. and- Tony would have made a, a bad decision. I mean,
1: he wouldn't have hurt his corner as much. It would have been the crowd noise because there is such an adrenaline factor for these guys when they're walking out. When they when Bruce Buffer ha- is doing everything and the crowd gets into it, it's absolutely an aspect of it. And some fighters they you know they rise to that kind of occasion. The crowd being there does it for them. For someone like Cowboy, who I thought fought a great fight and very easily could have gotten that decision, I think maybe the crowd being there actually not being there helped him out.
0: Yeah, I I don't disagree. I I like the decision there. I was more surprised, and I think you were too, with uh, Henry Cejudo and the Dominic Cruz fight more than anything. I knew Cejudo was going to be really, really – was going to do really well. I didn't think he was going to knock Dom out. Um, Looking at it now compared to the past fight last night with Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira um, where the ref kind of let it go, I was – and again, hindsight's 2020. I would have liked to give Dominic the benefit of the doubt. It looked like he was getting up, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's like you can't really argue the stoppage. I understand why though
1: the conversation that we had is cause you and I both at first said bad stoppage. And I said, you know, it's a quick stoppage, not a bad stoppage. It's quick. Um, cause yeah, it, it was quick, but I would rather, I'd rather an early stoppage and a late stoppage. Um, the last thing I need oh, to see ah. is yeah. And the, the main events from last night and on Saturday, um, they <sighs> both saw where a situation where either the ref or the corner should have stepped in and stopped the fight for their, their fighter, because Ferguson had nothing left, too tough for his own good. Anthony Smith had nothing left, too too tough, too much heart for his own good. Um, I thought uh, Eddie Bravo should not be cornering MMA fighters because his cornering was horrendous for Tony Ferguson. Um, it's just, you know, you're telling him to do an Uri uh, uig- u- Gari role like that ever works in MMA. I understand it works in wrestling and jujitsu. That's not going to work in MMA, especially with a guy like Justin Gaethje.
0: Yeah, I heard him call that out, and I was so surprised because that's something I don't—I haven't really heard of before. You would think he would just maybe take a regular shot or try to pull guard on him at some point, but he just never did. Yeah, how about a clinch to a takedown or clinch and pull a guard? Um, now, really quick, I needed to uh, pivot for
1: a second. Uh, Josh, the landlord wanted me to ask you that if you're on the podcast, how come you were the <laughs> he goes, oh no, <laughs> how come you were the first person to look at her story? If you're on the show right
2: now, <laughs> oh, I mean, I got my computer set up. I got my phone. I got, I'm, a fucking... I'm just a producer. I don't I'm talk that much. Producer. I sit over here. I make the audio happen.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that is true. That is your job. Um, you know, no one wants, like, I love Boomer and Geo and I like Al Dukes. So I don't need him talking the whole time. Yeah,
2: exactly. When, I, don't when he ta- I don't need to hear myself talking the whole time. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm perfectly happy sitting over here and speaking when spoken to. That's fair,
1: uh, Taylor. I saw some an article for you um, that I int- I wanted to get your take on. So um, as the world is slowly starting to open its doors again and things are going to start happening again, one of the things and probably the thing that you're most excited about is going back to concerts. I would
0: say. I fucking knew it.
1: Okay, so there are some new concert safety guidelines, and oh you know what God. these guidelines are not going to allow? Moshing. Moshing and crowd surfing, which doesn't matter. I, if I, I'm not worried about. Uh, that's the thing. They're going to be actually having security like on the floor and they're going to be trying to maintain because the thing is, these events are going to have less capacity. A place like Starland is only going to allow 30 percent of its capacity in and they're going to have people there spread out. So you can't do mosh pits. They're basically equating it to how security measures changed at airports at nine after 9-11. Um, so you're going to be going to a concert. and just have to be like this. It's not gonna
0: last long <laughs> right now. It's uh, not gonna I mean last it's long. it's gonna last as long as there isn't a vaccine more or less. It's not gonna last long. I'm telling you right now, the first show back is gonna be a huge fucking pit, and then they're gonna stop the show because they're not gonna let kids pit. Don't wait. they're gonna they're gonna kick everyone out. Yeah, exactly. I'm telling you exactly what's going to happen, specifically You're with that right. music. Because I've seen it happen before. I've been at small shows where there's maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. And shit just goes down. It's what's going to happen. You can't yeah. have Vane. You can't have Knock Loose. You can't have Thy Artist Murder play a show and not have people fucking throwing Absolutely hands. Absolutely true. It just does no. Happen? It, it listen. If you're telling me that it's going to
1: be like uh, fucking uh, uh, Jimmy Eat World, I like Jimmy Eat World. No, there's not going to be a mosh pit. If it's Third Eye Blind, there's not going to be a mosh pit. But if you're telling me like uh there's a Slipknot
0: concert, you're fucking right. There's going to be a mosh pit, dude. I I, I went to go see Jimmy Eat World years ago, and someone tried to start a pit to hear you, me, which is like this. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Yeah, what it's is it? May Angels yeah, like, what? lead you in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) like like, what are you doing dude get out of here yeah it's going to be interesting because that whole dynamic but that's even better than what I've heard I've heard that there's not going to be any live music till almost the end of 2021 which is something that's really really disturbing to me Um, Um, there's a good chance there won't be concerts until
1: 2021 the Hollywood Bowl just cancelled their entire 2020 slate for the first time in 98 years
0: yeah, and, and I, the Hollywood Bowl is a major venue. And I and and I get you know you can have those rules for you know big stadium tours, arena tours, even for stand up comedy. That I understand. I totally get it. But when it comes to the, the when it comes to the small shows, the two, the 2000 cap rooms, the the, the the thing that makes those shows so memorable and so great is the in, the way the band interacts with the crowd and how the crowd is really participating with the band th- throughout the show. Well, that's that's the thing. Like if the things I'm hearing
1: is that most of these venues are going to probably have to go to a 25 percent capacity. And that means that for a 2000 person venue, it's 500 people.
0: Yeah, but the, but here's the thing: no band is gonna make good money off of those tours. No sales well, are that. It's happening all over the place. That's why you're seeing all these different bands start these Patreon accounts. By the way, big Patreon and big fan of Spanish love songs. Their Patreon is great. Um, but the other thing is, like I said, the the main thing is that it's gonna stop bands from coming, like bands that I've seen from like Australia, the UK, anywhere else in the world, stop them from coming over here because the the the, the tour revenue is not going to be worth the worth the flights. Well, that's booking. You're, that's you're gonna, why I told you a couple a couple weeks ago. A- Starland's
1: in a lot of trouble. I I think it's more likely than not that Starland won't open up for five years probably until someone buys it. And that's under Starland. It's Webster Hall. These smaller venues are going to have a hard time because unless a band, like a small band, comes along, like a band from Australia, they're going to have to charge $200 a ticket just to cover their overhead.
0: That's the other thing I saw, that the ticket price is going to be very inflated. Yeah. Um, which really does suck because the beautiful thing about the shows I go to is that they're 50, 60 bucks. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what makes them great. Thir- 25, 30 bucks sometimes. And yeah. so
1: it's, it's going to, it's going to change dramatically. So we just got to keep our fingers crossed on that front. Um, there, there's something I wanted to discuss. I posted this on Facebook yesterday, um, but it's been making the rounds about Mike Tyson that he's coming back. He's going to fight. He's going to do an exhibition why? They, I love I finally agree with Dana White about something that he would try to make sure Mike doesn't do it because Mike Tyson should not be fighting. I don't care how good he looks in hitting
0: pads. Well anyone can look good hitting pads that Muhammad I Muhammad Ali was hitting a speed bag when he was in his fucking seventies and <laughs> Right. Like he was still able to hit a fucking speed bag. It was just as bad as when they wheeled him out at the Marlin's Park, and they had to start his yeah. speed chant. That was bad. What
1: What about when he was doing
0: the the New Year's ball, and he pressed it late? <laughs> he pressed it late, early, late. a little early, actually. And if there was anyone that looked just as bad as Dick Clark, it was Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Happy uh, New Year. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, um, it's one I I do agree with you. I mean, he is fifty three years old, but it, it, again, so I see both sides of the coin, because uh, when I watched the Chuck and Tito thirty for. 30. Chuck said something that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm a fighter. I fight. It's what I do. Now I get that side of it, but this is also the same thing. Like we saw Anthony Smith last night, or we see corner stepping in talking to talking to
1: uh, Jonathan Snowden about Ken Shamrock last week, who was fighting Kimbo and Rojas Gracie when he was in his
0: fifties. Sometimes you need to just tell these guys you can't, and it, it sucks because it goes against everything you are as a fighter and being sure. in from that world because people tell you you can't 99.9% of the time, um, but this is this is a prime example of I agree with you. He really shouldn't fight. Now, I'm not going to tell him that. I'm not going to no. look Tyson in the eye and say you shouldn't fight, um, but I will say if he does fight, I'm going to watch
1: Sure. It's it's like a car accident. Like, But here's the thing. I'm not as against it if he's doing an exhibition bout against a Vander Holyfield or Lennox Lewis because he'll lose to them again. And then these idiots that want to call Mike Tyson the greatest heavyweight of all time can realize he's barely he, – I can argue that Mike Tyson isn't, isn't even a top ten all-time
0: heavyweight. So I don't know enough about boxing to even go down that road, but I would – I mean – I mean, as far as heavyweight champs, I mean, Muhammad Ali, the only other one I know is like Joe Lewis. Joe
1: Lewis, Joe Frazier,
0: Rocky Marciano, retired
1: undefeated, 49-0. Jack Dempsey, George Foreman, Evander Holyfield, who beat him twice. Lennox Lewis. I would argue Vladimir Klitschko is a better heavyweight. Tyson is maybe the greatest highlight reel in the history of boxing, but he didn't fight a lot of great guys. And it's th- something I hold against him. And it's hard to hold something against someone when, because they were knocking everyone out, but we never actually had to see him cut, rally from behind. We've never seen him have to do a game plan where things weren't going his way and he had to rally back. He was a front runner and boxing is a game of push and pull. And if he couldn't knock you out, he got his ass kicked that we saw that time and time again. And I love Mike. I, I think, it, I think his story is amazing Where he's at now mentally, I think is amazing. But in his last fight against a bum in Kevin McBride, an Irish bum, he quit because he said he didn't have the heart to fight anymore. He didn't have that mean streak anymore. And him, he's a lot like Ronda Rousey in the sense that once his aura was broken by Buster Douglas, he was never the same guy. Guys weren't losing the fight before it started anymore.
0: Yeah, it was the whole intimidation factors, you know, on the way to, like, again, he's 19, 20 years old with, you know, with the, the power of a piston in his right hand, and he was just knocking people dead, you know, yeah, and... and
1: uh- I could say that I think that he would have had a much better career and that I think that if he, he's, he's arguably a top 10 heavyweight. If I really broke down a list, he's probably like my nine or 10, but I could argue against it just as easily. Cause there's guys like Jack Dempsey, Jack Johnson out there. Um, but if, if custom Auto didn't die, I think he would have had a much better career, better longevity. I think he would have improved as a boxer beyond the physical specimen that he was, But if he's doing something other than an exhibition, if I hear any talk about him fighting Tyson Fury or uh, any of those other guys, I, I, I can't do it. He'll lose to Anthony Joshua. He'll lose to Deontay Wilder badly, badly. He'll lose to any
0: top 10 heavyweight, maybe top 25 heavyweight. I, like I said, I don't know enough as far as when it comes to boxing. I only really be, like started watching these last two years with Tyson and Wilder and stuff. Joshua Ruiz, shit like that. Or even when uh, Triple G and Canelo Alvarez. Shit yeah. Like that. Um, but as far as knowing the ins and outs of the division – I don't. I know. I know nothing. I don't see nothing. But if you put Tyson in there with, well, Mike Tyson in there against Tyson Fury, just the size advantage and the reach advantage alone is scary. Um, same thing with Deontay Wilder, 6'7". The, the, the like, age and stamina and ring rust. I mean, it's just—it's two different worlds, man. I mean, Mike
1: Tyson in his prime would have crushed any of those dudes. He would not have beaten Tyson Fury. I'm sorry, Tyson Fury is a great bo- heavyweight boxer right now. He's not. Anywhere in the category, of those guys I previous mentioned. He doesn't even deserve to be mentioned in the same conversation. He's great right
0: now. But he would kill Mike Tyson as of today. Sure. Well, definitely. I mean, when I go back and watch Tyson Fury fights, I mean, the the only the, the couple of times I watched, like, I watched his Klitschko fight when he fought him in Russia. That was really that was a really yeah, good, that was great. And the Klitschko the fuck to do. Klitschko is uh, one of the great defensive boxers of all time. Not
1: exciting, but he was a, he's one of the best technical heavyweights there's ever been.
0: I mean, what he was undefeated for what? Ten fucking years. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that speaks to it. But I agree with you. I think if Tyson fights, keep it exhibition, make it a fun thing. Don't, don't, don't go swinging for the goddamn fences. Don't, if you're going to fight Evander Holyfield for a third fight, I think that's fun. And I think Lennox
1: Lewis, Lennox Lewis third fight would be fun. There's other guys you could get to come out of retirement and do. I'm sure Roy Jones would be willing to do it. You know, there's a ton of stuff you could do. I'm fine with that. Quick payday. Cool, whatever. I don't want to see him getting into serious heavyweight title match. Listen, if by chance this happened and we know we'll all watch it and he won, it would be the greatest story in the history of professional prize fighting without question.
0: I I, I listen, I would watch it, I would pay for it. I would, yeah. I, when it comes to good pay per view stuff, I will buy it. I absolutely will for buy sure. it. That's why I'm very happy I bought the last UFC. Very absolutely. happy. Absolutely.
1: Um, so, in other news, earlier today was announced that they've officially. Uh, greenlit a, a remake of Scarface um, with a script from the Coen brothers, which is interesting, uh, directed by uh, Lusa, Lu- Luca Guadino, who did uh, the Suspiria remake, which I hated and Call Me By Your Name, the movie where the gay guys, uh, the one fucked the peach and then the other one ate the cum filled peach.
0: So really? say hello to my little friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I'm gonna go on record here. I've said it a bunch of times. I don't like Scarface at I all. I like Scarface, but it's wildly overrated. That's- it's also a,
1: it's also a remake. That's why I'm not mad about it,
0: because Pacino's Scarface is a remake of Scarface. No, I'm saying like I, the character Scarface, Pacino's portrayal of the character He's is great. Very, is very iconic. The movie's too long. If it's you a
1: half hour, if you train, if you trimmed a half hour off Scarface, it's great.
0: Yeah, like, and also part of it is because, you know, when Justin came on the show a couple weeks ago and was talking about Bob and his Pacino phase, that was, he was talking about all he did was watch Scarface, 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 Kalito's Way, Scarface. I just, it's too much. I never really liked it that much. Like I said, I always prefer Casino or even, or, films, which Calida? I believe. Do-
1: much. Carlito's way is way better than Scarface, but the only reason Bob liked it that much is because he was watching MTV Cribs, and he saw his favorite artist, (laughs) Ludacris, and he's like, I got that Scarface on Laserdisc. And But legitimately, I guarantee you the only reason Bob wanted to love Scarface so much is because he saw guys like Ludacris on MTV Cribs because they tricked everyone our age and MTV Cribs is thinking Scarface is this amazing movie. And listen, I get it. It's a cult film because it bombed at the box office and it didn't get great reviews at the time. And there's some things from the movie that are so iconic to film and entertainment as a whole. Miami Vice, GTA Vice City, all that stuff is off of Scarface and Pacino's great in it and his his sister. Do you want to fuck me, Tommy? <laughs> yeah. With her fucking yeah, barb, her, her fucking stupid hair is awful. Michelle Pfeiffer's really good in it. There's some really good things in it. I, I watch the movie every so often. I like it, but it's wildly overrated. It's not even a top 10 all-time organized crime gangster movie.
0: No, I completely agree. Uh, so other thing, too, since we're on Pacino, real quick, before you change the subject. So I was listening to not this week, and I, I had just watched Carlito's Way maybe a couple days before, and I, I hadn't really thought about it. I Seen it before, but the part when he yells, Here comes the pain, that's in sick. And I did not yeah. realize that that was from Carly. Yeah, dude, here that comes the pain. Awesome. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, dude, hell yeah. So cool. I didn't know that.
1: All right. So, uh, really, the last thing I have is um, we're at this major impasse between Major League Baseball and the Players Union. Um, I'm completely on the side of the players in this. Blake Snell had a great statement about it today. I don't know if you saw it yet, but basically, he's saying, If the risk is higher for us, why would we be getting paid less like these MLB owners that make so much money can't handle a year where they're going to make a little less money. The players already agreed to a reduced salary and they want them to reduce it even more. I'm fully on the side with the players. And I've been contending for weeks now that I don't think a season's going to happen.
0: Yeah, um, I really don't disagree either. It's one of those things where at this point, I mean, it's going to be, what, June, July maybe by the time stuff really starts ramping up? The,
1: the, the time frame they're looking at it starting the season would be 4th of July weekend for a 78 to 81 game season.
0: Yeah, but you're cramming so many games with so many teams in the one small in the one small package as much as we want to see baseball this season, as much as I want to, I want to see the Mets play and all this shit. It's not worth it at this point. You know what I mean? If they're going to open up 4th of July weekend, you're better off just calling it a mulligan. We'll see you next year. Give everyone one full year just to recoup, just hit the reset button and come back strong next year. But that's one more fucking year that the Nationals are the World Series champions. I'm not happy about it. Bullshit. Well,
1: the, the thing that like is is crazy to me is that the, the owners think that arguing over their billions uh, is is feasible and won't hurt the game of baseball when 35 Americans are out of work. Right. Thirty five. Just 35 Americans. 35, <laughs> thirty five. Yeah, that's why they're having so much trouble with unemployment. There's only 35 people going for it. Thirty five thirty <laughs> five million 35 million Americans are out of work and these billionaires have to keep their billions. Like, I I think that's a really bad optic, and I could see it having a major blowback on the game of baseball, similar to the lockout that happened in 1994 that took the home run race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa in the summer of 1998 to save it, which we're getting a really good ESPN 30 for 30 about that in a month.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for that. So this is what he said. I kind of – he goes, bro, if I'm risking my life, what do you mean I should uh, – it should not be a thing? 100 100 should be a thing. If I'm gonna play, I should get paid the money I signed to be. Uh, I should I signed to be getting paid. I don't disagree with that. You signed a legal document stating that you are owed this amount of dollars for this season. Now, granted, this this is like a very unprecedented thing that we're all experiencing, so I understand yeah. this much. But at the same time, then you don't sign these guys to the eight hundred million dollars, and they and they, er-
1: they already took a pay cut. This is the crazy thing with the pay cut that they wanted the players to take. Uh, now, the highest paid player in baseball this year would be Prince Fielder. He's been retired. To, he retired in twenty sixteen. What The fuck does that mean? Well, it's just like how the, uh, you have deferred payments, and he was signed through a certain amount of years, so you still have to pay him. He would become the highest paid player in baseball with the reduced salaries with the way the owners want it. That's I think. Yeah, it's uh, I. I just I hope they can figure something out because I think it would be so good for baseball and for the country if you can get it going. But they want to squabble over, you know, m- making sure they remain billionaires. Listen, we're a capitalist society. I get that to an extent, but you know, you already asked these guys to take less money. They agreed to it. Now you want them to take less money again so you can maintain your profit margin. You guys are billionaires without a baseball team. You'll remain billionaires without. The getting the revenues from people coming to the games and who knows maybe after 30 games they say people could start coming back and then the revenue goes back up i i just think they're handling it very very poorly
0: it's, it's a very bad pr stunt is what it seems to me because it seems like the owners are putting this out there and they're trying they're trying to at least what it seems like they're trying to paint the players as being incredibly selfish by not yeah. wanting to pay cut when you know it's what they do when, like you said, 35 million Americans on unemployment, a lot of people taking pay cuts, essential personnel, not getting certain things that they should be getting paid.
1: Well, at least at least, uh, you know, you have the great Mark Teixeira saying the player should just take a bigger pay cut. The
0: guy that made over two hundred ninety million dollars in his career. That guy needs to shut the fuck up. Talk, when he was talking about the steroid shit, you were juicing a fucking gills too, dick. Fuck you. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about it I that I have. You guys have anything else for this week? No, I'm good. Uh, nothing really this week. Um, I'm just hoping. So I, I mentioned it weeks ago. I've been trying to get my streaming uh, my streaming channel together. But what's what's happened once this, you know, once everything that's going on happened um, is that the price of certain webcams, capture cards, the equipment, you know, was bought out and was absolutely jacked up. So now, like, your run-of-the-mill webcam from Razer for 99 bucks is now going for 350 on Amazon and eBay. So, it's and demand, baby. And I understand. I get it. I was late to the party, so um, I'm still trying to work those kinks out, working on OBS and shit. So once that is set up and once, honestly, these prices go down, um, I'll be streaming immediately on PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. So I can't wait to get that fucking shit started. And I'm going to be streaming on YouTube and Twitch. I'm going to try to figure out which is better.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I can't say because I've never streamed my gaming before. Um, I've I've streamed me yelling at people playing Halo three before you have um, saying a lot of dirty, dirty words. Um, But all right, uh, Josh, do you have anything else? Uh, Nope. All right. uh, Are we going to play some Call of Duty later tonight? Yep. All right, Josh, my, my one request is if you could upload it tonight so I can get right to it tomorrow morning.
2: <laughs> Just upload this shit today. All right, tonight. All right g- g- uh, give me an hour then. Let me uh, take care yeah, of everything fine. and then we'll play that's- Call of Duty. Because you know what happens is like every week we say, all right, let's play Call of Duty after we get off. And then we play and then I fall down a rabbit hole and it's 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm like, fuck, I never finished
1: yeah, the episode. So upload now. <laughs> let me know when you're ready to play Call of Duty and I'll be ready. All right. All right, guys, this is episode 102. You watch. Wait, wait, listen- wait, 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 wait. What?
2: We forgot our we forgot our title contest.
1: Oh no! Okay. We um we're gonna do that on Facebook and Twitter. I don't. Okay. I want to say it right here. I want to be a social media interactive thing. Whoever comes up with it, they can even call into the show that week. So we'll get something set up for that. Oh, I think um, you wanted
2: I, to. Do, I think you wanted to do between the three of us for today's episode title.
1: No, no. Just come up with some, I, Dude, I can't come up with anything
0: with that bullshit, that bullshit black metal <laughs> title. No one can. They could barely right. come up with that album title. Just come well, up with no, something. So uh, my idea was for this coming week, we, we put the, the titles out on Twitter, Facebook, and then whoever yeah. comes up with the best one, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. fine. Um, yeah, I, I don't care.
1: Just call this move, this episode, black metal ass. I don't care.
0: <laughs> he, he's seen Grand Evil Galarites Comes at night. No, call it Bert's black metal. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, episode one hundred one hundred two. You watch, I listen. Uh, I'm Dan.
0: I'm Taylor. I'm Josh.
1: You're Thank ass. you to, Pro- thank you to Prime Allerge Foods. We'll see you guys next week.